Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text is the Holy Gospel. Please be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, up the mountain they go. Peter, James, John, and Jesus. Now, why only three disciples? Well, most likely because in the Bible it takes two or three eyewitnesses to establish a fact. So Peter, James, John. That fits the bill, doesn't it? Eyewitnesses. And we heard it in the epistle. And on the high mountain, our Lord's appearance changes dramatically. Literally in the Greek, metamorphosized. Transfigured is how we translate it. Our Lord's divinity is leaking out all over the place. His face shines like the sun. His clothes gleam as white as light. This is why we say about Jesus in the Nicene Creed, we're going to say it shortly, that he's God of God, light of light, very God of very God. It's now showing with his face and clothes. And the three disciples, they see it. Eyewitnesses. So our Lord Jesus is not only a true man, but he's also true God. On the mountain, his body shines and gleams with the glory of God. This is incredible. I mean, who in the world would have thought? The glory of his divinity hidden in his humanity is now revealed. And this is the same divine glory that once filled the tabernacle and the temple. Now it is shown in Jesus. So if you're picking up what's being thrown down here, it's this. Jesus is in fact Emmanuel. He is in fact God with us. Now, if you've spent your life looking for God, you don't need to look any further. There he is. Jesus in the flesh is God. So the transfiguration of Jesus is not about how man can become a God, but rather how the one most high God became man and yet still retains the fullness of his divine glory. Nothing is compromised. Full blast God in human flesh. And the sight of his divinity is utterly magnificent. Oh, and there's two others there. It's Moses and Elijah, the two biggest prophets from the Old Testament. And there they are, standing with Jesus, talking with the Lord as if they're the best of friends. Now, side note, this gives us a picture or a sneak preview of our resurrection on the last day when we too will stand with Jesus in all of his glory raised bodily from our graves. And in addition, because, you know, Kuhlman just can't help himself. If you've ever wondered, and lots of people do, if you've ever wondered if you'll recognize your loved ones in heaven, like Martin, you certainly will. Because Peter, James, and John, they recognize who? Moses and Elijah. And they never met them. Well, Moses and Elijah, they bear witness to, not themselves, but to Jesus who's the savior, not only of Israel, but the entire world. They speak of how God in the flesh, Jesus, will do the salvation job as they prophesied in the Old Testament. Luke tells us that the three of them were discussing our Lord's exodus, translated in the English in Luke's gospel as his departure. That is, his impending Good Friday death and his Easter Sunday resurrection. That's something to talk about because it's salvific. Well, Peter, he offers to build three tents, as we heard in the text. One for Jesus, one for Moses, and another for Elijah. And can you blame him? 
You know, Peter wants to enshrine the event, contain it, box it up, and keep it going. I mean, this is great stuff. You know, there are shrines all over the world. You know that, don't you? And usually they are shrines to visions of people like the Virgin Mary, like at Lourdes or Guadalupe. There's even a Greek Orthodox church and a Franciscan monastery built on Mount Tabor in Palestine, which is the purported site of what? The transfiguration of our Lord. <laughs> now your jaw's gonna hit the floor. I'm here to tell you that Christianity is not about holy sites. Have you ever thought about that? We don't do holy sites. Why is that? I'll tell you why. It's because the power of God to save you does not reside in places that you go to, but in the places where God comes to you. <laughs> you don't need to go on some pilgrimage. Now, you can if you want. But you don't need to go on some pilgrimage to some faraway place like Bethlehem or Jerusalem or Mount Tabor to draw close to God. Why not? I'll tell you why. Because God has drawn close and near to you in his son Jesus Christ who salvationally reveals himself for you personally and very personally in the water of your baptism, in the bread and wine of the supper, in the spoken word of his forgiveness, and the gathering even as just two or three in his name. That's your mountain, so to speak. That is to say, where our Lord's word and sacraments are going on, that's the place where Jesus comes to you and personally gives you the promise of his Good Friday salvation. Well, before well-intentioned Peter can put up the tents, a very thick cloud covers the mountain. And this too is absolutely huge. For this is the same cloud that covered Mount Sinai as we heard in the Old Testament reading. This is the same pillar of cloud that led Israel through the wilderness to the promised land. This is the same cloud that filled the tabernacle in the temple. And now, from the thick cloud on this mountain, we hear God the Father's booming voice, just like at Christ's baptism in the Jordan. This is my son. I'm well pleased with him. Listen to him. So yes, Jesus is the Father's Son, begotten of the Father from eternity. And the Father, here again, bears witness to his Son's divinity. God of God, light of light, very God of very God. And more, the Father is most pleased, that is to say, he is enormously delighted with Jesus, his Son. Why? Because Jesus will be the one who will do the Good Friday salvation job by offering his body on the cross to atone for the sin of the world through the shedding of his most precious blood. This is precisely then why the Father mandates the following. Listen to my son. In other words, make sure that you're all ears when Jesus talks. When Jesus speaks, you'd better pay attention because his words are the words of eternal life. His words are spirit and life. And only Jesus saves you. Only Jesus answered for all your sin, conquered Satan, death, and the grave. Only Jesus mediates between you and God the Father because he is both God and man. Only Jesus shines with God's divine glory. Only Jesus is the light 
of the world. That's why in the end of the story, only Jesus is seen. Moses and Elijah. The disciples see no one but Jesus once the incredible conversation about his death and resurrection is done. Because, after all, that's all they needed for their salvation. And that's all you need as well. Just Jesus. Only Jesus. Now I'm going to finish the sermon this way. Did you notice that it was quite odd that as they make their way down the mountain, Jesus commands them something. He commands them not to say anything to anyone about what they've just seen until when? Until after his resurrection. They're not even to tell the other nine apostles? That's right. Don't tell anyone, he says. Now, how in the world do you not tell people what you've seen? Something like this. I mean, I'd be all mouth. Well, here's the reason. Listen carefully. Having a transfigured Jesus without Good Friday crucified and dead Jesus on the cross would leave you with what? Only a Mount of Transfiguration Jesus, but no Mount Calvary. Now, I know what plays better with people. Is it the transfigured Jesus, or is it the crucified and dead one? Is it the shining Jesus, or the ghastly, lifeless Jesus on the cross? The captain obvious answer is, what plays well with most people is the transfigured Jesus, not the crucified Jesus. But I'm here to tell you it's only the crucified on the cross, dead as a doornail Jesus, who atones for all your sin and saves you. And so, if all that Jesus ever did was do a mount of transfiguration, you'd still be in your sins. And you would have to answer for them yourself. Now, how hellacious would that be? Hmm? Very. So that is exactly why the mount of transfiguration gives way to Mount Calvary. Transfigured Jesus gives way to crucified Jesus. The Sunday of Transfiguration gives way to Ash Wednesday, a penitential Lent, and a Holy Week. But it's always the same Jesus, transfigured, crucified, dead, risen, and reigning. It's always the same Jesus, true God and true man, and we are to listen to him. Today, what does he tell you? He tells you to eat and drink my body, my blood, and I give it to you for the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus alone says that because he alone is the Savior who Good Friday saved you. So brothers and sisters, I look forward to seeing you this Ash Wednesday and all throughout Lent unto a joyous Easter Sunday listening to Jesus and what he did for you to save you. Oh, what great joy that will be this Lent and Easter. In the name of Jesus. Amen.